trance type thing. And that's what got my attention. It was just like, it was like watching a movie. Everything was playing out and it was so crystal clear and it was just, everything made sense. And then it was just, when it was over, my eyes came to and I was like, goodness gracious. Uh, but that, um, I posted it on Facebook immediately after that. Uh, and in that dream, it was like I was standing on a field, and it was like in the far distance, all I could see was just like a red glow in the sky. And it almost looked like a forest fire, you know, kind of like if you ever seen videos of them. It was like in the far distance, all I could see was like a, a forest fire. And then it just like the closer it get got, it was like dark, but yet bright at the same time, if that makes sense. It was like darkness, but it was like only the brightness of the fire, I guess is what I'm saying. You can see like the embers and all these different things, and it just kept coming and coming and coming. And it was just consuming everything along its way, except for select fuse. Because like when it got to where I was at and passed through me, it was like all of a sudden these wings come around. And it was like angel wings coming around and campusing around people scattered out through the midst of it. And then it was like, but it was like the wings, you could see through the wings. So it was like I could still see and experience everything that was going on, but the wings was protecting certain ones, and you could still see all that was coming on. So what does that mean? You know, all that happened in, in, the, in the back of my mind, like it was almost like a narrator, kind of. And it was like all this was coming on, and all I could keep hearing over and over was like, it's time. It's time. And that was all I could hear. It was, it, it was time. That was the only vocal part that I heard through the whole thing. So all that happened, and then I woke up, and then, it, of course, it had messed me up. I was like, wow, that was insane because of how real it was and all that. So uh, I've come to see kind of like the, the marking of what, of the wheat and tares, so to speak. So like the second coming of Christ, you know, the fire is the one... Um, spoken of in Ezekiel in the battle of Armageddon. So it's like this, the protection, and I meant to bring my phone up here where I could read exactly how I wrote on Facebook because when I was dreaming, when I woke up, it was like instantaneous rotate because I knew I would forget. So I didn't bring my phone up here, but I'd post it on Facebook if you want to go back and look at it. But the way that transpired, it was like that separation has begun is how I ended that because it was like all the stuff that I talked about prior to this, it was like that separation had begun, like Satan's coming through like a... Uh, you know, seeking to devour who he may, that was that. You know, that fire is coming through, him coming through, devouring and seeking and taking up all these except the ones protected by the angels in the blood of Jesus. Amen. So all that being said, uh, then these verses started coming after the fact. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 12 says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his weed into the barn, but he, he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Which led me to a, and with the funny part of that, the reason I brought up the Malachi thing at the front was because when I was looking at my Bible or my phone app at work, when that verse started coming to me the other day, I kind of looked at it on my Bible and found it and started looking at it. It had the little part that you can click, you know, and it'll carry you to like references. Well, I clicked it, and guess what it was? Malachi. So I was like, well, that was kind of kind of strange and cool all at the same time. Because usually if I think of Malachi, all I think is the tithing part in Malachi. There's other stuff in there. <laughs> I'm just playing. But anyway, Malachi 4, verse 1. He said, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud... Yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. So these pair together, uh, but that verse right there that I was talking about in Malachi, that's what I was saying, like the, the day is coming, is usually always talking about the second coming of Christ. And then the fire is the one spoken of in Ezekiel. If you go back and read in Ezekiel, that's where that fire consuming is, which is talking about the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, so you can imagine my brain's been working <laughs> a lot of overtime. But Jesus goes on to talk about the, the uh, 
parable of the wheat and tares, that separation that I was talking about. Matthew 13. We'll start at verse 24. We're going to read the parable in itself. It says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go then and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So if you fast forward over a little bit to verses, starting at verse 36, they, uh, Jesus explains to the disciples that, that, very exact, that same exact parable. He said, And Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of this age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. So all that being said, you know, that that war's coming. That separation's begun of good and evil. You know, and I'm going to leave you with this thought. Think about where you are in right standing with God. Because we tend to think like this scripture you know, maybe talking about the separation of the wheat and tares at the final judgment where they are cast into that unquenchable fire. But there's a time before that, because if you really think about it, judgment's almost kind of passed before you get to that point. Amen. When you take your last breath on this earth, that's it. That's when your judgment is pretty much established because you're either going to heaven or hell at that point. There's no repentance after your last breath. So if you look at it, your wheat or you're a tear at the time you take your last breath. There's not a time after that where we can say, oh, I'll get right with God. No, it's not. You've only got this world. And I'm, I'm not using this as a scare tactic. I've said this up here before. I say nothing as a scare tactic. I say this because I love you, and I don't want to see anybody go to hell because that's where I was headed, and it's not a pretty place to be. If you think about it and all these things, God's so much better. Amen. So that's what I want to leave you with. Think about where you are today. And let today, if you, if you don't have salvation, as it always says, today is a day of salvation. Amen. Good job, brother. Thank you. Amen. Good thoughts to think about already this morning, folks. Come on. Y'all here? Y'all with me? Everybody, everybody good? I would ask if people were cold or hot, but I know one that's covered up in a blanket like she's going to sleep up here. So, do uh, two, two, and one of them's got muffins. I know. Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad to see y'all. Good to see everybody this morning. Look at somebody beside you and say, "I'm glad you're here." All right. Look, we're going to have to have some group participation this morning. I done been told. There's Nyquil been taken at one o'clock in the morning. We lost an hour of sleep. So everybody's drowsy. I've tried to keep the heat down and the air up to where nobody gets comfortable. You know, if I start running around, Clay's going to have to pay attention and, you know, keep me in the middle of the screen. So I'm, I'm going to do, do my best to keep you all awake this morning, all right? So y'all just be attentive. Be ready. If you get comfortable and you need to go, then just go out. Or if you need to go to sleep, go to sleep. I don't care. I won't wake you up. As long as if you're up here, you give me the same rights, Okay. But so we're here and we and we've we've come with a purpose this morning to worship and praise God. And we've done that. Now we're here for a purpose 
to listen to the Word of God this morning, right? That's why we've come, so we can grow spiritually. So we can take what we learn here and live our lives better out there every day. And so the ones that see us will know, hey, there's a child of God. There's a man of God. There's a woman of God. Not, hey, they go to Victory Fellowship Church. That's great. But there's a lot of people in these churches here and across that you wouldn't know if they was a Christian if they, if they told you. And you'd be like, you do what? Yeah. So it happens. But we come here to strengthen ourselves. And we live every day to strengthen ourselves. So I'm glad you're here this morning. Glad you came. You didn't come by chance, but you're here because God led you here. Amen. And so that's why we joined together this morning. It's good to see Jojo this morning. I'm glad you're here with us, brother. It's been a while. Amen. All right. Well, let's receive our offering. That's right. Give another one. Clapping hands keeps your blood moving, don't it? It does. Keeps you going. Um, one other announcement this morning that um, wasn't in the bulletin but will be next week is about the, the fish fry that we're going to have. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, we, we've set a date for that, and that will be April 22nd on a Saturday. And, um, and so we're working on some different plans for that. Hopefully by next week um, we'll have some tickets for people to take and sell so we can pre-sale some, and we'll have an end date for the ticket sale. That way we can give the people an amount of pounds of fish that we need to order. So, um, so we'll do that, and then all that money will go to the building fund. But uh, we got that coming up. Also, don't forget, this is at the end of April, which I know it's a month and a half away, but it'll be here before you know it. The Fifth Sunday Community Singing will be here that night. So we've got a lot of work to do before that gets here and things to get ready for that. But I want to do, just say it's not in here, so I'll thank Wayne again. Appreciate Wayne for all of the decorations that you've done and hard work this week. Thank you. Just done that. She's back in the nursery. But uh, she always does a wonderful job. She got a. I wanted a banner up or something somewhere because most people, a lot of people, get dressed up for Easter Sunday, and so, and you know, there's a place back here. You don't have to wait till Easter, but you know, you can take pictures at or something like that with that in the background. That's what that's for. And, um, and then she's got one for the for the smaller ones in the nursery. So um, so she done a good job with that, and I thank her for all the hard work. Well, all right. Um, be praying. Last week we prayed for my cousin Jane Carroll that's in Arkansas. Um, she found out the other day, the doctor told her that her liver is not functioning. Um, kidneys are not doing great. That's why all the fluids on her body, but gave her a report of six months to a year to live. So, you know, I've never gotten that report. I don't know anybody in here that has. But, you know, we, we joined together with their faith this morning, and their faith is that she's healed. Um, and uh, we know that we don't just stop on the report of the doctor. We believe in the report of the Lord, as the Word of God says. And so we're going to join with them this morning in prayer and pray for her healing and continue to pray for Brenda Leathers, Brent Barber, their, their sister up in South Carolina. Um, I know that they've called the family in, and they're still there. I know that was um, so Wednesday night that, that Miss Brenda was up there and didn't expect her to live much longer, but she's still hanging on. So... We just want to be praying for peace and comfort in God's hand in that whole situation. Um, well, all right. Well, let's pray this morning as we go. Heavenly Father, we love Him. We praise Him. We thank You for this time together we've had already this morning. Thank You for Your Word that's come forth. Father, that our praisings that has come forth this morning, God, that You've accepted them as a sweet-smelling savor unto You. And, and Father, we just we lift up our, our, our this time to You and that Your Holy Spirit work and move in this time. And, and Father, You just open hearts, open minds, Open eyes this morning that to receive what you have this morning, Father God. That, that your presence, as we've already prayed numerous times this morning, we pray again in your presence and you will be done in each and everyone's life. That we'll be open to that, receptive to the word this morning. God, we just ask that you uh, touch Jane this morning where she's at in Arkansas. God, we, we don't stop at the report of the doctors. We believe the report of the Lord that says, by your stripes we're healed. And God, we just, we just uh, confess that over her and join ourselves with their faith. God, that she is healed right now in the name of Jesus. That you with her and Tim and the family during this time. God, that you just touch and move and they, they draw strength and comfort from you during this time and put all their faith and hope in you. And Father, we, we lift up 
Uh, Brenda Leather's family to you. God, that you just touch them this morning. God, with the, the loved one, the sister up there in South Carolina, where they're at, God, that you just work and move in that whole situation. God, that you just uh, bring comfort and peace during this time. And, and Father, her report, the, the, the sister's report is that she's ready to go. She knows where her next step will be in heaven. And Father, we just thank you for that comfort and peace. And, and God, that you're just working and moving in that. God, we just bring our tithes and offerings to you this morning. God, that you just touch and bless each and every one in here. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, children, y'all can go do what y'all do back there. <laughs> go running. Those adults need to run in the door like getting ready for church instead of dragging in. Take some lessons for them. Jesus said, suffer not the little children, right? We was as innocent, come to Him as innocent as they are, and the things we could do, things we could do for Him, get all this other stuff out. Well, all right. Who's ready for the Word? Y'all ready this morning? Amen. I'm ready to give it. And I hope y'all are ready to receive. Amen. Amen. Thank you, JJ, again for the song. It's a blessing to see you up here singing it again. I know a lot's went on since the last time, but brother, you're back. And we just thank God for it all the time. That It's a example the forgiveness is still out there. The grace of God still works. Mercy of God's still there. All we got to do is accept it. Ask for it and accept it, and it's still there. And, and it's evident and numerous in everyone's life that's in here that God still loves us, right? That, that His mercy and grace still is, is alive and real and, and working each and every day because we're still here. Because we know there's still a God. Amen. Well, right, last week we, we started, and, and you know, I don't know if it'll go past this week, next week, and, and but. I felt like this week we're going to continue on on the importance of prayer. Because prayer has got to be an important part of our life. And and we we let it slide a lot of times, and even in our own homes. You know, there's there's times, and I'm guilty of it, okay, there's I'm guilty of this, throughout my children's life growing up, to where I didn't pray with them as they needed to. There's Christian families, I'm sure, that have never had their mom and dad and seen them pray out in public. It's okay for you to pray out loud with your children. It's okay for you to pray out loud with your spouse. You say, well, that feels weird. Well, guess what? If you want healing in your life, it don't actually feel great all the time. If you want healing in your family, healing in your marriage, healing in, in whatever area, prayer is where you got to go first. And And so, you know... There's times at night me and Gabby pray together, and, and she'll remind me sometimes, hey, you hadn't prayed. Well, I know, but you hadn't either. So we'll, we'll just tease back and forth. And, and the man, trust me, is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the household, right? So it's still your job, men, to pray, to lead your family in prayer, to lead them to church, to lead them to the acknowledgement of Christ in their life where they can see it in you. But if the man is not head of the household as he needs to be spiritually, is not where he's li- not living the life of a Christian as he should be, then wife, mother, it's your child to pray for your husband. It's your chi- it's your job to pray for your husband, for your children. It, it falls on you. Why? Because somebody's got to lead them, right? If if you use the excuse, well, my husband's not doing it, I guess, you know, it's whatever. Well, then. You're in the wrong. And, and sure, God set it up for the man to be under God and head over the household. He, God's words completely sets it up that way. But we can't, you can't just use that excuse. Well, I didn't see mom and dad do it. I didn't see this. I didn't see that. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home to where I saw my parents do that. To where I had a dad that prayed. 
to where he, he would, him and mama both, and they would pray and they would uh, lift us up, lift the church up, lift other people around up. And it was not hidden or bashful, but it was spoken out in the open. And, and so, like I said, there's times in my life where I have not done that, but thank goodness for forgiveness, repentance. And you can start now. It doesn't matter if your children are, are 3, 13, 23. If they're at home, pray with them, right? Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for your spouse. And, and so prayer is important. And we've let it slide. And we come here to church and the pastor will pray or whoever's up here will pray. And, and we'll say a little prayer at the end of service and ask God to forgive us and help us throughout the week. And then we go on and don't think about it again. Because as we're going to read this morning, we need to find a place, physical place. To where we can go and get along with God. Jesus done that a lot. Jesus went off to pray. He would be gone no telling how long. We know one time he went for 40 days, didn't he? Off to pray. Why? Because in our life today especially, there is tons of distractions. And and sure, you can say, well, I pray. My prayer time's on the way to work. I've done it too. And I still pray on the way to work. Don't get me wrong. But what happens more times than not when you're seeking to pray on the way to work? Somebody cuts you off. You hear something on the radio because you got it going. You're, uh, and you start thinking about, well, I'm on my way to work, so I start thinking about what I got to do while I'm at work and get ready for my day. Well, you've just lost all track of that time you need to spend with God. So Jesus was adamant about us. Spending time alone with Him, you know, because when we pray, remember last week, let me, let me talk about this. Last week we talked about we are, since we are made righteous through Him, through Jesus, we have the right to become, to come before the throne of God at any time. We need to let our requests be made known to Him as we read in James, because the, the prayer of a righteous person avails much. And, and so, we're righteous because of Jesus. It doesn't matter of our past. We're righteous because of Him, and we can go to God in prayer. And when we go to God in prayer, we know we read what Jesus wrote down as our example of prayer. And, and it's a lot to do with getting our will out of the way and letting His will come in and rule our life. Forgiving others so we can be forgiven by God. True repentance in our heart. And, and so we get everything else out of the way so He can come and do what He needs to in us. And, and so that's, that's what we do when we go to prayer. It's more, and we know that asking for forgiveness is more than just saying, I'm sorry. It's more than just a, you know, I'm in a, I mean, I've said this when, you know, me and Gabby will be in a whatever and I'll say I'm sorry. And, and there's times she's told me, I'm tired of you saying you're sorry. Because I've said I'm sorry and I'm sorry. And then, but with sorry or forgiveness or repentance, it becomes change on the other side of it. So it's more than just that, but it's, us going to God asking and repenting and walking away from it and not doing it again. Not letting it bother us. Not showing that in our life, but showing a true and honest change. And you can see that when people come to Christ. You'll see that in their life. You know, when that first instant where they have asked Jesus to come in, forgive them of their sins, be Lord of their life, you see that a lot of times in people's lives. You say, I can see a change in them. They talk different. They act different. They look different. They, they, they just, something about them. And, and so, you know, we have that and we can see that in people's lives, but we have to ask for forgiveness all the time. Go to God and repent of heart. And, and so, when we go to God, in Matthew chapter 6, we'll skip over that first part. That first verse, Cole. We'll get back there in a little bit. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Right before Jesus talks about the model prayer. Is everybody good, comfortable? We need to turn the air up, down. Everybody cold? Getting cold. All right, Jimbo. Told to let him watch that. I was told not to let him be the judge of that because he likes it cold. And I understand. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, And when you pray... You should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. And those hypocrites were the religious leaders. 
They were the churchgoers. So what, I, what, I, what it's not talking about here is we're not supposed to pray out loud. Okay? It's not talking about somebody standing up praying. What they did a lot back then because they're religious leaders and, you know, if you've watched The Chosen, you'll see that when they come on a religious leader, everybody has to drop their head because they were so much more better than everybody else. You know, but they were the ones that, that supposed to know all the, all the Bible, all the Old Testament, all the scriptures, everything and, and, and lead others, but they acted like they were so much better than everybody else and they lived, tried to live a life out in the world as we do as Christians. Because we come in here with a smile on our face like nothing's wrong. Come on. Come on. We all do it. And, and nothing, everything's perfect in our life. And so they would live that life outside and stand there and, and pray out loud to God, which is great, but just vain repetitions. That's all it was. And so he said, don't be like them. Don't pray like that. You know, it's like I said last week, there's not a proper way that we come before God and pray. You don't have to be old proper, King James Version, all that. There's none of that that goes on, that has to go on for us to reach God. But he tells us here in the next one. But, excuse me. But when you do pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. This is where I'm talking about we need to find a place to go to God by ourselves. And it can be in an actual closet. It can be in a room by yourself. It can be in a car sitting in the driveway. But somewhere where you can shut off all distractions. Because I know from sitting there that the devil doesn't stop at the door. Your mind doesn't stop racing because you walk through the door of the church. You know, you're, you're trying to me, but thinking about 15 other things in your mind that you know you got to do today. Or what else is going on? Or what happened this morning? Or what's going to happen this afternoon? All these things. And even when we get into our time of prayer with Jesus, those thoughts will come. You start praying. You're striving to be just you and God. And pray and come before the throne with 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 prayer and supplication and, and that reverence before Him, and you're in a time of prayer, the next thing you know, you kind of stop praying. You're thinking, huh, I didn't think about that at work. You know, just, just something that goes on in our mind. It doesn't stop. Why? Because our mind, and we preach it a lot, is a battlefield. Satan doesn't want us to have that time. Because, you know, that time with God and alone with Him will strengthen us. So when we get out, He said to reward us openly, everybody will see it openly, won't they? They'll, they'll still say, hey, He's been with God. We'll be like Moses almost. He was on, on, on the mountain and His face was covered with a veil because He spent that time with Him. He saw God. He saw the glory of God. But prayer is more than just us. And, and sure, teach your children to pray. And we all teach them now, lay me down to sleep. That little prayer when they're little, we're teaching Tanner will pray that some now. Or the, or the blessing, and, you know, when we eat, well, that's the time we, need to, we do need to pray during those times. Don't get me wrong. But that can't be the only time that we go to God in prayer. Prayer is an intimate time with God. Time spent alone with Him. Just like an intimate time with our spouse. Time spent alone with them because we know them. We, we, we enjoy our time together. We're in the presence of each other all the time. And that's the way God wants to be with us because He created us that way. To be where He could be in our presence. Sure, Adam and Eve sinned and messed all that up. But He made a way through Jesus for, him to come, for us to come back to that. And us to get back to that place to where we can be with Him at all times. He's, it's, it's an intimate time in the presence of all Almighty God. And, you know, people, I've heard this in the past. Well, talking to God is just like picking up the phone and calling somebody. He's got a prayer line. It's more than that. It's more than that. You got, you can't, it's sure, it's that simple to come to God and pray. But it's more than just picking up because what happens when you talk to somebody on the phone? Tell them, y'all, y'all discuss for a little bit. Then you hang up. Hang up. And then, you don't think about it anymore until the next time you need to talk to Him. And that's the same way we do God a lot of times. We'll talk to Him for a little bit, then we'll hang up. I'll get back with Him later. 
We lost signal. How do we lose signal? Let everything else come in our mind and get in between our relationship with God. That intimate time with God. We, we, let, we let all these distractions in this world come and, and get us out of that intimate time to where we can't just be us and Him. Because a lot of times when it's just us and God and we're truly, truly seeking God's face, He's going to reveal things to us that we ain't going to like to see. And we're going to have a choice in that time whether we're going to get rid of those things or let them keep looking at us right in the face. And, and, and coming a wall and a hindrance to that intimate time with God. When we, we say to God, God, take everything and fill, fill me with you and take everything from me, that's a hard one to pray. It's easy to say, but it's hard to mean. Because there's still things in our life we want to hold on to. Selfish reasons, selfish gains, whatever it is. We want to hold on to those things. That way we kind of got to out. Does that make sense? We kind of got to out to where you can say, well, to you, but, but I got this going on. And, well, that's when you need to go to Him when you got this going on. That's when you need to pray to Him when you got this going on. That's when you need to get in that time and, and, and do these things instead of, you know, you and your spouse in an argument and you got to get that last word in. Well, at that time, maybe you just need to shut up and go pray. It's never, well, I've never let myself do it as much as I need to. I've got to get that last word in. But why be like me? I can say things and be an example to where you can do something different. That's what we try to teach our young people, right? If we let them just do everything that we did, we're not teaching them anything. If we let, if we let our young people just make the same mistakes that we did, then they didn't learn from us because we didn't show a true example of how to get over that, of how to get through that. Well, I went through the same thing. Well, good. Teach them different the way they don't have to go through the same thing. Teach them how to pray the way they know how to pray. You pray and be a prayer warrior for Christ. And, and then you can teach others how to pray. How do you teach them how to pray? You teach them how to be alone and reverent with God. You teach them how to have that time to where it's just you and God and nobody else around. You say, I don't know. I, they don't understand that good. They, then once they will, they'll start to understand it. They'll have that time, and then they'll say, hey, i got to remember my mom and dad, they're praying and praying out loud and being an example for me to pray. And not being scared to pray out loud. Not being bashful or ashamed because they don't want somebody to hear them pray. You get in your time alone with God, it doesn't matter who's around. There's nobody else but you and God. So you can be as loud as you want to. And you get, I promise I've done this, you'll find out some boldness about you that you didn't know. You get along with God, and there's things that's bothering you, and you're tired of it, and you start stomping on the head of the devil, physically, you'll see some things change in your life. Why? Because you got some boldness. Nobody else has to see it. It's your time alone with God. And, and so it's not for show, but it's us letting God know, hey, this is really us. And God knows the true us, but a lot of times when we're out here praying... We hold back because we don't want others to see what God sees. God sees us as righteous. He don't see us for our sin, but we don't give it all to God either, as I said earlier. So let's read on a couple more verses. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask Him. So He knows what we need. He knows what's going on in our life. But guess what? He wants us to ask Him. How many men can you, can you read your kids' mind? Especially your wives. If you've got daughters, you can't read their mind. Men's are pretty simple. We want a couple things. But you can't read their mind. So when something goes on and they say, well, you, they get mad. Why did you get mad? Well, you didn't do this. Well, you didn't ask me. You didn't ask me. You knew they needed. You might have knew, hey, they've only got a quarter tank, not much money in their, in their checking account. They need some money. You could be good and give them some money, but they could come and ask for it too, right? God knows what we need in our life, but yet He's waiting for us to ask Him and to believe Him and to trust in Him. That way, we have our time of prayer and He's in communion with us, right? We commune with Him. 
We're intimate with Him. And, and we don't have to be bashful about those things. We can go to Him in prayer. And like we said last week, let our requests be made known to Him. And so, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19, talking about praying out loud and, and what we do on Sunday mornings back there. And I challenge each of you, okay? I'm not telling you to come back here. 940. 940, we meet back here and pray. And I, I, trust me, that's between you and God. I'm not telling you to. But if, if you want to be ready for the day, if you want to be ready for this, if you want to pray for something else besides your own personal selfish needs, meet us back there. Okay? Because that time we're praying for this. We're praying for what God's wanting to do in people's lives. We're praying for eyes to be opened. You know, their, their wheels to be pushed out of the way and His will put in there. And, and people's lives to be changed. For conviction, for repentance. For, for people to just to come and not worry about who's beside them and what's going on. But just concentrate on God during this time. That's what we pray for. And, and so, He said in verse, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree... On earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Two of us. What is it in the Old Testament? One can chase a thousand, but two can put ten thousand to flight. So there's power in corporate prayer. There's power in more than just me standing up here praying for you. There's power when you pray too. Because why? Because I'm no more closer to God than you are. I'm no more righteous in God's sight than you are. I have no more in to the throne of God than what you do, unless you're not a child of God. And so you have the same power and authority and right and privilege to come before the throne of God and pray just as I do, just as any other person that comes up here and pray does. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're righteous. It's not just a man's job to come up here and pray. Women can pray too. Ginger was back here this morning. Praying. Praying for boldness. Praying with boldness about the service this morning. And so it's not, nowhere in here does it say men has only got the right to pray. Women have it also. And we all know that if it wasn't for a lot of times the power of a praying mama, us men wouldn't be where we need to be either. So, you know, it's, it's, it's power in prayer. There's power in numbers when we join together as a group. As many as here today and join together and truly pray and ask God to fill this place with His presence and do His work in our life and push everything else out of the way, it, it, we would be amazed at the things that God wants to do here. We just got to push ourselves out of the way. He said, because you meet in my name. He said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. How do we know that God's presence is here with us this morning? Because I know two or three people at least that we're joined together in His name. Whether anybody else here or not. And so that proves to me what Jesus said, that He's here in our midst. Well, I can't feel Him. Well, I'm sorry you can't feel Him. Get your own feelings out of the way and know that God works and moves in our lives, whether we feel it or not. Feelings get in a lot of way and complicate a lot of situations that we shouldn't let them complicate because of how we feel. What's wrong with a lot of this generation today and a lot of what's going on? My generation on down, especially. Their feelings get hurt. Things happen. Well, guess what? Pray and get over it. Ask God to forgive for forgiveness and you forgive others. And not stop worrying about your feelings all the time. So there's power in, in prayer as we pray and, and cry out to Him. In James chapter 5. Which is where I got our main text from this morning. Just that fervent prayer. The effectual fervent prayer. Just run over in my spirit all week. That fervent prayer. Fervent just simply means exhibiting or marked by great intensity of feeling. Or great intensity. So we're passionate about something. We're fervent about something. Right? We want that. That's what we look at. That's what we see. We're passionate about those things. And, and when, we, when we do things that, and act in ways to, of prayer and how we come to God in prayer, and we're fervent in that prayer, we're passionate about praying. There's people here that are. I know 
I know my mom's always been passionate about praying. And I thought about this the other day, that when there was strife or arguing in the home, as we're going to read here in just a second, about, about anyone. Well, let's read this first verse. In James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So she would go around the house a lot of the time singing psalms. It could, I, I don't know what songs she sang all the time. It was something humming or singing praise music. Why? Because she's a joyful person. Joyful heart. Because she knows the power of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. She knows that power. And so when there was, when us kids were arguing or something was going on, you could hear her, I mean, sure she would get on to us, but she would a lot of times be singing those songs. Why? Because how are you going to argue with somebody singing songs? How are you going to argue with that? I mean, you can't argue in the presence of that. You can't do nothing. And, and so, you know, it's, it's that joyful. But is anyone you suffering? There's, we can all say, I don't believe there's a person here that can't say there's something they're struggling with in their life. Right? What does it say to do? Let him pray. Let him pray. Let him get alone in that time of prayer. Let him ask others. To pray with them. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elder of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. As we do. You saw me last week. Miss Jeannie come up for prayer. Hurting in her body. Laid hands on her. Anointed her with oil. Agreed with her in her faith that she is healed. That's biblical. There's nothing, nothing physical about that or... Or whatever, it's all, that's biblical things that we do. And that's what the Word of God says to do, whether you believe in it or not. Why is He rubbing oil? Why is He doing that? Because the Word of God says. But it also says, it's not the prayer of Mark Carroll. It's just it's the prayer of faith, right? The prayer of faith. So we pray over them and we join our faith together as, you know, I couldn't lay hands or, or, or put, anoint my cousin Jane with oil this morning, but God's faith and His power doesn't just reside right here. It's omnipresent, right? So that means it's here, it's there, it's over there, it's working in numerous churches today, it's working in lives today. And, and so it's not here, but when we pray, we pray for those things. It said in the prayer of faith, we'll, ra- we'll save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. If anyone has committed sins, he shall be forgiven. Here's one. And, and, and we'll spend just a minute on it because we don't like to talk about it. Confess your trespasses one to another. That's what we don't want to do. And, and, you know, there's still churches out there and religions, a Catholic, you still go to a man and you sit in a booth and you confess your sins to him, right? That man cannot forgive you of your sins. But, Confessing them to somebody else makes you thinking about it again the next time it comes up. I will say that. Because if you're struggling with something that's embarrassing in your life or very personal, and you go to another man and talk about it, you don't want to have to keep saying that over and over again. Because it's embarrassing to say. Sin should be embarrassing in our life. Instead of as the world does today and, and just praises all kinds of sin, it should be embarrassing to us, especially if you're a child of God. Especially if God's, if Jesus is Lord of your life, you should not be celebrating sin in your life. You should not be celebrating it at all. It should be a point in your life where that's an embarrassing thing and you want to get rid of it. How do I get rid of it? I pray for forgiveness. I ask God for forgiveness and repentance in my life. And, and repentance over that thing and go away from it. That's how you get rid of it. You don't have to confess to me. We've said it a lot in this church. We need somebody else in our life that we can go to, that we can talk to, to strengthen each other. Whether it's your spouse. If you're a man, you need another man to go to, not a woman. If you're a woman, you don't need to go to another man. You need to go to another woman and y'all work together and help each other. And that's how we help grow in our spiritual life is to help each other. And when somebody comes to you, hey, I need help with this. This is what I'm struggling with. You don't go tell 40 people about it or even four, even one other person. 
You go to God with Him in prayer and leave it there. And so we need that. We need to confess these things because if we don't, if we don't confess these things, we're not going to confess them to God. We're not confessing to each other. And we'll go on, like I said earlier, with that smile on our face, walking into church like nothing's wrong, and, and making everybody else believe that everything's good in our life. Until it finally comes out, and then you're like, really? I didn't never see that of them. Never see that. Thought they were better than that. Well, guess what? Did you ever ask? Did you ever ask if everything was okay? Did you ever ask what's going on in their life? If they needed help, they needed prayer? We can do that also, but it says confess some things. And he, um, you're trespassed one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess and pray for one another. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, woman, boy, girl, teenager, child, they're a child of God, the effectual, fervent prayer of that person avails much. As I said earlier, your prayer, when you go to God, if you're a child of God, has, is, is no more weaker than mine. I have no more clout with God than you do because I'm a pastor of a church. You have the same ability, and the same right to pray and be effective and have that fervent prayer. And, and when we do that, we're passionate about that. And then as those things come up again, we're like, whoa, 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 we're going to pray for this right now. We're going to pray about this right now. Why? Because we don't want those things happening in our life again. We don't want those things coming up in our life again. We don't want them to get in the way of our of our intimate time with Jesus as we need to have. And, and because we've let those other things slide in. And the next thing we know, we don't have that time alone with God. We'll start making excuses. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pray tomorrow. When I get up in the morning, I'll pray. And, and I trust me, I know one of the worst times to pray, if you really want this time with God, is laying in your bed at night. If you're me, because I'll start praying, and then about a minute later, I'm sawing logs. You say, well, that's you're supposed to pray if you go to sleep. Right. But I'm talking about a time alone, just you and Him. Okay? Alone, just you and Him. So we need to rid all these other things out of our life. And, and be fervent, be passionate about our time with prayer. It goes on to say, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. We know he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And done mighty things in the name of God. But he said he prayed and earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Why? Because he was fervent in his prayer. He was passionate about what God had called him to do. He knew the position God had in. And, and he wasn't going to let anything stand in the way of that. And, and so, don't let today... What's bothering you, keep you from thinking you're not good enough to go to God in prayer. Don't let things you've done in the past say and keep you from, from asking God for His forgiveness and His grace and mercy on your life. I want to read one more scripture. Because as we said earlier, the battlefield's in our mind constantly. My flesh, our flesh, if we're honest this morning, our flesh did not want to get up and come to church. Come on. Our flesh, our body, would have rather laid in bed. When my alarm clock went off this morning, I would have rather just been asleep. You say, well, you couldn't come here and preach. I don't normally sleep this late anyway. But I wouldn't have got up and got myself ready to come here and preach this morning. Why? Because my flesh didn't want to. Our flesh is a sinful nature. But we can't just live by that, well, I'm just human. I'm just flesh because we're... A new creation. We're supposed to be old things have passed away and all things become new. But we lean on our flesh a lot of times and use it as an excuse to, to not do what God's called us to do. But in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, Paul is talking here because these people had these same issues 2,000 years ago that we have now. It's what the devil didn't start working yesterday. He didn't start, he didn't, he didn't, he, he's been working since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Since he got through out of heaven, he's been working to ruin what God's created. He's, he's working to ruin your life, your mind, your emotion, your will, your ability. He wants to ruin all of it to where you don't see God in any situation. And you follow your flesh, your emotions, your feelings each and every day instead of walking by the Spirit of God. 
That's His goal and intent in our life. And He's been trying, He's been putting a lot of the same scripts and schemes in front of us. Why? Because we're simple minded enough to keep falling for it. Falling for the same things over and over again. Lust of flesh, lust of eyes, and pride of life. Falling for them all the time. Because we let our flesh overtake what our spirit wants. Galatians 5.16, and we know we've read it a lot here, and I promise we'll read it a lot more as we go on. Because it's the Word of God, and we need to hear it, and we need to remember it, and, and we need to get the Word of God soaked and saturated into our life to where when these things come up, we can remember, hey, there was a Scripture read the other day that I need to go back to. Something that's going to help me in my life right now. God, show Holy Spirit showed me where that is, and He will show you where to go and look when you ask Him. He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, these are contrary one to another, so that you do not do the things you wish. I want to do good. We can all say in here, we want to do good in our life. There's a part of you, I, I, can, I know this morning, that wants to live for God as He's called you to do. But there's a fear also of what's going to be entailed in that. And when that fear comes in, that's that flesh talking. When that fear comes in, that's that flesh saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't live that way. You can't act that way because of all this other stuff you got going on. Because of all of our emotional baggage that we carry along with us. And the devil's right there saying, you can't do it. God says you can. And from what the Word of God tells me, we read it last week, greater is he that sent me than he that's in the world. Then what are we arguing with ourselves for? Because our emotional baggage is easier for us to carry around than to do and live in this world of sin and hate and unjust and unruliness of what God's called us to live and be that light he's called us to be. But he's made a way possible. Our spirit and what God wants for us can be stronger than what our flesh does. Can be, can be stronger than this sinful nature and this sinful world we live in. And the way it's going to start, Word of God, and we say it every week, Word of God, knowing it, and that time in prayer with Him. That time alone with Him. Got to have that time alone. If we don't, and, and trust me, it's, it's been in my life, I can tell a weakness in areas in my life when I don't spend the time I need to with God. Or if I don't spend any time with Him, and not just some, but there's times we all know it, when we get busy, our life's full of stuff and those distractions will come in and our flesh will overtake, overtake our, our, our spirit and we can't see the things that we need to. So I challenge you this morning. Find some time alone with God this week. Start today. Find some time alone with Him to spend that time to close everything else out. Well, you don't hear the kids going. You don't have Facebook going. You, you don't even have your phone on you. Because And, and then you're just you and God. Just you and God. And, and see if things in your life does not start to change for the better. Because you're allowing God to work and move in your life. Amen. Y'all stand this morning. Do something a little different with every head bowed and eye closed this morning. Nobody looking around. This is just us and God. Go ahead and start the music, Cole.